Hey up and welcome back to another episode of the Rugby League Outsiders. My name's Craig. And my name's Carl. And this week we're going to loop back to a lot of stories that we've had in the last um, series, including uh, Midlands-born rugby league player who's just signed a contract with a Super League club. More on that in a minute. And we're also going to talk about the League One final, which Carl was fortunate enough to get across and, uh, and watch that. And he's going to fill us in on that as well. We've also got other stories in our set of six from around the region and the wider game outside the heartland um, and we're also going to do so stay tuned our little prediction round for the super league um playoffs, playoffs yeah semi-finals what could uh, go wrong we've only got two <laughs> games to go at. <laughs> i could still mess it up <laughs> okay so we'll dive straight into car what have you got for tackle one Okay, so Midlands, well, not Midlands, uh, Rep Footy has been back. We had uh, a couple of weeks ago now, the uh, Southern Lion Hearts tournament took place. So you had four teams taking part in that. Um, sort of, you know, whoever sort of, it's, it was like a trial game, but they're also representing their individual counties. So so we had the Midlands, we had London, um, the East and the, and the West all sort of played each other. Yeah. Uh, London came out on top, which... I, I'm not that surprised about seeing the standard of rugby league in London at the minute. It's really high, um, but it was really close. Uh, Midlands and the East both finished on one win and one draw, and the West came uh, bottom of the pile for that. Okay, and um, and part of the coaching team at the Midlands. Uh, development side is Martin Foskett who's also a coach at the Raiders uh, and we're going to get Martin on the phone now just to have a little chat about that and the signing of the uh, Midlands born player by a Super League club as well so here we go uh, Martin just talk to me a little bit about like the Midlands setup and and kind of you know how many kind of training sessions how were the team how were the lads picked um, you know and, and 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 that kind of stuff really uh, Hi hey, all right um <laughs> Yeah, every club in the Midlands was asked to submit nominations, six nominations um, for the Midlands squad. Um, we eventually had 30 that trial yeah. over the three, week, three weeks. Um, 21 selected from seven different clubs, um, which I thought was, was really good. Yeah, really good. Um, so we, we had buy-in from pretty much every club. Um, yeah, the coaching staff was... Uh, Jamie from Oxford, Jim and Mark from Boston, and myself as team manager. Um, yeah, it was a, a really good setup. And Martin, how did the how did the lads come together? Was it was there any animosity amongst them, or did they did they gel quite well? Um, to be honest, it, it was great to see the club rivals coming together um, and play as a well drilled squad. The Birmingham's, the Leamingtons, and the Telfords all sort of really got on and and really bought into it and. Um, there was banter throughout for, the, for all the lads really it was, it was great Martin obviously you can't do a great deal of like fitness work in three coaching sessions but what kind of things like tactic wise and skills wise did you focus on during the training sessions um, we concentrated on um, drills and skills um, defence attack types of plays um, defensive set just getting the lads to used to each other to play off each other um, and try and get them all thinking together. Um, a, lo a lot of them have played together anyway. Um, like the halfbacks both came from Boston and um, had a couple from Oxford that, that played really well, and this worked well together. So that's yeah, it was uh, it it was good. It was good. 
Okay, so talk me through the the tournament then, Martin. Um, you know, how did it go on the day? What you know, who were the stronger teams? You know, how did the Midlands get on? Um, the Midlands did did well um, in true R- RFL style. Um, they didn't supply any referees. Um, we were expecting some, but they didn't supply any. And okay. um, so the coaches coaches had to referee the, all the games. Um, our first game was against London, which was which proved to be the toughest. Um, we matched them in defence, matched them in attack, um, but um, they won two tries to nil. They had a, a charge down from a kick and a, and a lucky bounce. Just um, saw them win that, win that game. Um, we went on to play the, the West of England, where we scored. Uh, we dominated really. We scored five tries to two. Um, and then a final game with uh, the East of England, um, where it finished two tries apiece. Um, and we, we finished runners-up in the group to, to London. Um, it was a really high standard. Um, yeah, we finished second, as I say. It was a very good standard of rugby league across the Midlands and the South. Um, definitely be competitive against the North, given the chance to, to prove it. Martin, what was it like working with some of the other coaches from other clubs? Did you pick up anything? Did you? Was it nice to see how they worked? Yeah, yeah, it was good to see the different um, techniques, the different drills. Um, I'd spoken to we, we'd had meetings prior to, um, and I've known Jamie a couple um, most of the season. I've been speaking to him from, uh, and yeah, it, was, it it gelled really well. I just want well, to, I think, uh, so, sorry. I just want to say, um, you know. For what it's worth, you know, thanks for kind of getting involved with that because obviously without volunteers and people putting it together, it just it wouldn't happen. You know what I mean? But we we yeah. all know that these these players need a development route. You know, they need something to aim for, and, and obviously without your your work there, it just it wouldn't have been there. So, you know, thanks for uh, for the whole Midlands community. For, oh, it's been uh, for great. Doing that. Yeah, I think I think all all four of us got a lot out of it um, and I know the players did as well yeah um, yeah it was uh, definitely definitely do it next year if if, it, if I'd have to yeah so, so Martin uh, after this then so hopefully now the the southern team should take on the northern line hearts is that a chance there to represent England and, and, and how do you think they'll, they'll go against the northern counterparts in theory, that's the plan. Um, we don't quite know what the format is yet. We're waiting for the RFL to review all the footage from the games and pick, pick squads. So we don't really know what, what the format is. There is going to be, I believe, what they're calling a red v blue game. Um, whatever that means, none of us really know yet. Yeah. Uh, and as soon as we do, we'll, we'll get it out there. Yeah. Uh, Martin, your your lad's played up north before, hasn't he? So the the, the standard of, of rugby in the south and the Midlands, do you think we it's catching up to the north? Do you think it's do you think it's as competitive? Oh, most definitely, yeah, yeah. I believe um, the England unis this year, the South actually beat the North. Yeah, yeah. they did. Yeah, yeah. So that that's sort of testament to the the, the South, the Southern coaches, and. Uh, Everybody down yeah. this part of the country. All the hard work that's been put in. 
Martin, we're just going to switch stories and keep you on the line a little second, if we can, um, and move on to our tackle two, Carl, which, you know, if you can introduce it and then it'll be obvious why we've got Martin to, to chat as well. Yeah, so tackle two is a, a guest we've had on um, in the middle of the series, Josh Hodson, uh, ex-Midlands lad. Um, he's just signed a contract, Super League contract with Castleford Tigers. He's uh, He's been playing for Batley Bulldogs all year. He's been one of the top try scorers. I think he got players player of the year. Amazing season, one of the best players in the championship this year, and it's just brilliant that he's been rewarded with a Super League contract. And the reason I'm sort of speaking to Martin as well is Martin used to be his uh, former coach, didn't you? I did, yes. When he was a, a 12 year old, um, <laughs> I coached him at Raiders from when he was 12 to 15. He went to play up north up in uh, Newton Storm, I believe it was, for, for, for a year or so, and then we had him back. Um, when he was under 17s. Man, even at those young age, did you see that he had talent and they're perhaps going to go somewhere? Yeah, he's got a really good rugby brain. Um, he played, uh, I think it was scrum half for me. Um, Batley had him in centres. Uh, his hands were really good. His, 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 as I say, his rugby brain was was brilliant. He was really good to, really good to coach at that age. Would you say he taught him everything he knows, Martin? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say that, but you can if you want. <laughs> yeah, Martin, single-handedly uh, turning out Super League players. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. Okay, anything no, else we should have asked you there, Martin, or anything else you want to say? Um, not that I think, not that I can think of. No, no. no. Okay, well, you know, well, well done in your um, in your run with the Telford Raiders, and also, like I said, thanks again for your your help with the. Um, the regional team. Ah, uh, no problem. Cheers, Martin. All right, thanks a lot, guys. All, All right, later. take care. Bye bye. Yeah, Josh Hodson, Super League contracts, brilliant. Uh, it's a story I think we'll continue to follow next year, and uh, I'm really excited to see how he gets on. To be honest with you. Yeah, if I dare say, it's um, pretty fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, Carl. So that leads on to um, to tackle three. Uh, so, tackle three, London Broncos defeated the Sheffield Eagles this week. 42 points to nil. Absolute whitewash yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah. Really, uh, really hard-hitting game. Great to see a team outside the Heartlands really pushing in the in the championship. And we've got two teams from outside the traditional Heartlands now are in the in the mix to for promotion. So, we've got um, London Broncos take on Featherstone in their own backyard. Yeah. Um, and then we've got Toulouse, obviously, that we want to win against Bradford Bulls. Um, <laughs> <laughs> coming up here, they're the two semi-final, semi-final games coming up this week. Um, and like I said, I've, I've said this a few times, Championship Rugby, the standard's just been brilliant this year. Yeah, yeah. There's so much going on outside of Super League. R- really, if you haven't watched any of it, get, get, down, get down and watch one of these games. Brilliant. Amazing. And that brings us on to uh, Tackle 4. So Tackle 4, well, it's, it's it's the Super League playoff time, isn't it? So we're going to bring the uh, the old prediction round back. So it's Hull KR taking on Wigan this week at Wigan. And then another side outside the Heartlands, Catalan Dragons take on St. Ellen's, the reigning world champions. Yeah. St. Ellen's. <laughs> <laughs> um, Craig, who have you got? Who do you think? Hull well, KR, Wigan. My heart... I want Hull KR to win. You know, I, I really do. You know, um, 
my head saying they won't. I think Wigan are just so strong. You know, I've got to give I've got to give it to Wigan. Normally, they're just a big group of shit houses that bully people on the park. You know, but you know they are playing some incredible, incredible rugby. You know, and they've got some absolute stars. They've got this ability to take you know, what might have been like an average player and just form them into like a world-class player, you yeah. know, within that team, you know, that culture. And Matty P, you know, he's just one incredible job. He's got no real heritage, has he? You know, no real sort of backstory and then just comes in and it's just, <laughs> it's just an incredible He's job. a really sort of cool, calm and collective sort of person, isn't he? He's sort of the complete opposite to when you had like your Sean Waynes there. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. He seems to be a real tactical coach and Wigan you know like Wigan looks so dangerous in attack this year again this back to the old sort of Wigan when you know when you had yeah. like Tomkins and Charnley playing and you just thought yeah, they yeah. could score from anywhere and you got Jai Field and French and they're doing exactly the same again aren't they they just look whenever they get that ball in the opponent's sort of red zone they look dangerous yeah, they're recruiting really well, so they're gonna. I think they're gonna be even stronger next year, um, which is scary, really, especially as a Leeds fan. Um, anyway, so I'm, my, yeah, I'm gonna go Wigan, but um, I pray Hulkar can pull out of the bag. Um, I think there is a chance that it'll be a bit of a whitewash as well. Mm. It, it just depends, you know. He only takes a couple of injuries from Hulkar, some of their key players, and and they're just not gonna be able to match Wigan at all. But you know, Hulkar been pulling out of the bag all year, so. Um, yeah, playoff rugby, anything. There's a chance. Yeah, I, I'm, I'll go. I'll go Wigan as well on that one. I, think, yeah. I can't see past Wigan. No. So Catalan Saints then. Uh, yeah, I think Saints are going to. I think Saints are going to pull through that. Um, I would like to know what the outcome is of Alex Wormsley's match review panel decision because I think that will have a bearing on the game. You know, I know he's only one player in a very, very skilled and, and good team. But I think he just gives him so much go forward, especially especially against Catalan Dragons, who you know they like to kind of charge you up the middle a bit, don't they? Um, so yeah, I'm gonna go Saints. Very very close game though. I really think it's gonna be close. Catalan for me. <laughs> yeah. And why, Carl? Why are you thinking that? No reason for that. I want them to win. <laughs> Is that right? Uh, yeah, I just. Um... I'd love to see him in the final again. Yeah. Certainly yeah. for, you know, for, for our show, you know, we're sort of pushing rugby league outside the heartlands. We've got more chance of getting at the grand final with our media passes in Catalan <laughs> yeah. get there. <laughs> yeah, that, that is true. That so, is true. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, it, it, in all honesty. Do you have a bit of allegiance with um, Steve McNamara, do you, Carl? Or do you like to see him do well? Yeah, I do, because you know, I, I watched him at Bradford for years, didn't I? Yeah. Um, and he's, he's really developed as a head coach, hasn't he? Yeah. I sort yeah. Of, he, he didn't really do much at Bradford, but... Again, at the time he was there, the, the club had no money and it would fall into pieces and, and all the rest of it. And yeah. I think he did what he could. Um, but, you know, it's, it's, his career's really progressed. And since he's gone... When when you saw a difference from McNamara when he became England coach, he sort of took the professionalism up a, a level or two. That's what it certainly looked like. Yeah. Um, and he's carried that on with, with Catalan. And, the, yeah, great club. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's done. He's done a real good job at Catalan, I think. Okay, on to tackle five. Uh, tackle five just links in really well. Then Louis McCarthy, Scarsbrook, he's going to equal Rob Burrow's playing record. No, he's going to beat Rob Burrow's playing yeah. record this year, this week. So he he's currently on four hundred and twenty nine appearances. So he'll hit four hundred and 
30 uh, league appearances if he's selected this week, which I'm sure he will yeah. be. Um, and I've got a bit of a rundown of the, of the rest of them. Do you want to? Do you want to know? Them? Well, second time we've recorded this, so you already know, don't you? Yeah, yeah. I can't. Uh, I can't guess, can I? You know. So um, James Robert is the goat. Four hundred ninety-four appearances he's currently played, which is crazy. The guy's just made a steal. Mm. Uh, Kevin Sinfield, four hundred fifty-four. Andy Lynch. Four five two. Who's the surprise entry? I think in my mind. Yeah, you know he's I mean? gone under the radar, hasn't yeah. he? Andy Lynch played, yeah. played a couple of clubs, but yeah. Uh, Paul Wellens four hundred thirty nine. Uh, old Jamie Peacock four three eight. Leon four three two. Uh, and oh, you did first name, first name terms are you with with, with Leon? I, I, <laughs> I am actually. <laughs> yeah. I used to play with his brother. All right. Yeah, Carl played for same. Local side as me. All right. Anyway, come. carry on. <laughs> uh, ben Westwood at 4.30. So, yeah, Lou McAfee, Scarsbrook will, will equal uh, Westwood's record this week if you selected. Um, just... uh, and that's amazing to have a Londoner, you know, up there in the in the stats like that. You know what I mean? When we're talking about, like, expanding the game, developing the game, to have someone who's fundamentally from outside the heartlands up there is, is incredible. Yeah, and, and you get him on TV and he, he doesn't sound like a... The, the rest of them, does he? <laughs> yeah, well, when he's not swearing anyway. Yeah. Um, it, it's quite an interesting story, actually, with uh, Scarsbrook. I think he played for a team called Greenwich. And I think that side was sort of created out of wherever London Broncos were based. Because London have moved a, a well, number of teams. number of times. Fulham. He's starting Fulham. Yeah, they? but they've been all over the place, haven't they? Yeah. And, and that club was set up by the chairman of London Broncos after London Broncos moved to another right. area because he still wanted to have some roots, you know, it, it, what they'd created over the years. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it's great that he sort of came through that and he played for Harlequins. Well, London Broncos, when they were called Harlequins, he came up through the academy and then he's it's been at Saints, I think, since 2011. So, you know, somebody I'm trying to get on the podcast as well. But um, How is it? Yeah. Saints are answering my emails. <laughs> How dare they? I have to take a different tactic, I think. Well, get Leon, get Leon on the case. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, so on to tackle six. Tackle six, Tom Tassang from Coventry Bears. He used to be the head coach of Coventry Bears. Really well known in the Midlands area. He's just been given another two-year contract at, um, at Huddersfield Giants. He's done a really great job with the academy there. And like I say, he's been rewarded with another two-year contract. If you speak to anybody in the Midlands, they'll yeah. speak really highly of him. Um, and, and is he a Midlands lad then, is he? I, I, I do believe so. He's uh, well, he certainly he's from Solihull, I believe. Right. Um, don't quote me on that no, 100%. No. Um, I know he coached Coventry Bears and he was influential in bringing them from being sort of an amateur club, uh, bringing them into League One. Um, he's, he's blooded quite a lot of sort of talented Midlands lads up into sort of Super League clubs and things like that. So, yeah, great story for him, great yeah, story for the play. Midlands. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it. Uh, the, the sort of final thing I've got is uh, the Women's Super League. Yeah. Um, the Grand Finals this week. We're going to be there. Um, York versus Leeds. Really looking forward to that one. Women's League, again, it's been terrific this year. Yeah, it has, yeah. Uh, obviously, I'll be hoping Leeds kind of uh, win. But um, I, I I'd love watching the women's game. Not not because of the bloody stereotypical or, you know... It, but, like, I don't know if you've been watching the NRLW games that have been I've on. I've watched a few know, of them, yeah. yeah. just... It's just... It's, it's like... 
football. You know, I, I don't like to talk about football in this podcast, but the, the women's game is just kicking on. Excuse the pun. Every every, every season, it's just getting better and better and better. Well, it, it's, and that's, it's not a sellout yet, but yeah. apparently tickets are flying out. Flying yeah, out. No, it, no, it's, I can believe it. There's going to be a massive crowd there this week. Yeah. Yeah, because it's just it's becoming a spectacle. Like, you know, it's becoming a great sport to watch you know there's big collisions there's plenty of skill some of the passing is just absolutely you know spot on um yeah just just a great a great sport to watch so i'm looking forward to it so i'm saying what we'll uh, we'll have a, an update on the the women's grand final <coughs> what we within the in the next coming weeks yeah looking yeah. forward to it yeah um Okay, so we've done tackles. We've done seven tackles now, Carl. Yeah. I suppose you've got an eighth one. Uh, I, I told you that I can't count. <laughs> um, okay, so we're gonna we're gonna just do a little bit of a summary of Carl's recent experience at the uh, League One final. So you went up there, Carl. Um, you got in your little private media parking space, which I bet, I bet that was good. You'd have to mess around with parking. Um, just talk to me a little bit about the atmosphere as you kind of approaching the game. You know, what was the crowd like? Did it feel like there was a big event going on? You know, what was what was happening? Oh, yeah, it felt like a, a massive event. So I, I sort of, I got stuck in traffic for one because there were that many cars trying to get into the stadium. It was, it was you know, it, it was it looked bustling. It, it, it felt like a big event when you got there. It won't, It didn't feel like... It, some some of the League One games I've been to this year without sort of running it down, it, it doesn't always feel like um, high-level, you know, yeah. rugby. But when you got there to the League One final, it's a fantastic stadium in Doncaster. Um, absolutely heaving. There was kids outside in the Crusaders shirts, in the Doncaster shirts. Flags are waving, people selling sort of merchandise on the outside. Um, I got into the stadium and sort of I sort of come through the, the the sort of players' side of the stadium, and and the, the crowd was on the other side. And you walked out, and the just the noise just hit you. It was it was like absolutely buzzing. The full stand of people all along the one side, really sort of proper party atmosphere is what, I, what I'd call it. And yeah. There was like um, that's like the trophy was set up. The sort of photographers everywhere. You know, it, it, it really felt like a big occasion. There was sort of like kids doing the hacker, um, loads of entertainment going on. They had the massive flags out. Yeah, it just it it was cracking atmosphere. Yeah, and um, I think I'm right in saying that like the the Crusaders weren't expected to be there, was they? I mean, when they started off. You know, they had a terrible run of form at the start of the season. Just give us a bit of a rundown on, on like, the setup to this final. Yeah, so if I sort of paint a picture of, the, of, of sort of what this final was, you had sort of Doncaster who, who spent big, you know, the what they've spent compared to what Crusaders spent is probably miles apart. You've got, like, Mahe Fanua, Brett Ferris, um, Connor Robinson came in from York this year. Murata for Imo. Yeah. Uh, just <laughs> not always easy to say. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, you know, they've got real big name players and they're expected to be up that top end of the table. Um, yeah. you, the, I think they're probably disappointed they didn't get automatic promotion. Yeah. And they've had to go through the playoff final. Um, so, yeah, they ex they, they, you would expected them to be there. It was their third time at this as well so they lost um, two years ago to Workington um, and they lost last year to Swinton so this were their sort of third crack at it 
Uh, and then on the other hand, you had North Wales Crusaders, who nobody expected them to be there, without being disrespectful. Um, they didn't win any of the first seven games. They had problems with the stadium. They've had loads of, of adversity. They, had, they, they couldn't play. So I think the first seven games were all away. Yeah. Um, and then the worst. That's going to that's going to unsettle any team, isn't it? Especially the start of a season. Yeah. So and then I think their first win came against the Midlands, which we were at earlier on this year. Um, and that they cracked on from that point onwards. And then they started picking up some wins, few wins, few losses. Then they had a dip in form. Um, and then I think it was they went to Cornwall. And after the Cornwall game, that was it. They won five or six straight just to just to progress yeah. through the playoffs. And they were the lowest ranked team in the playoffs, so they had to play every round in the playoffs. Uh, I've got them here, the, the games that sort of played. So it was so they played Workington. So the first game they went to Workington away. Tough, tough gig for anybody. Flipping, you know, real hostile place. Ne never yeah. an easy place to go. Nobody expected to win. They turned over Workington. Um they then went to Oldham the week after, won by a drop goal in that one. Um, and then the semi-final, they beat Hunslet. There were another drop goal kicked in that as well. They beat Hunslet 18 points to 25. Um, so, yeah, they just went on this this underdog run. And it were every week, nobody expected them to win. And they just kept winning and they kept winning and they kept winning. And so they had all the momentum going into this final. So, yeah, it was it was the, the team you, you expect to be there. Um, against this team that just couldn't seem to put a foot wrong. So it, it, it was really exciting, made for a really exciting final. So right from the kickoff, I mean, you know, what was the what was the kind of main bullet points of the game itself? Uh, so I'll be honest, Doncaster really just, they, they, they came out of the blocks firing. Um, I, w I was watching the warm-ups of both teams and they were both like, just they were just on it, like hitting the tackle shields, whacking them. It, it, they were proper pumped when, when it kicked when it started, um, but once the game started, Doncaster were were a lot stronger. They 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 just they ruled the field position yeah. over and over again. Um, and Donny scored first. Uh, yeah, Mahe Fanua scored out wide for to take Doncaster's uh, lead. Um, Robinson kicked the goal, brilliant kick from the touchline, um, and then they, they they got a penalty kick. I think it was. So it was 8-0 at half-time, um, and the first 20 minutes was all Doncaster. Um, yeah. Crusades, they just they, they, they got the ball, but they was always in their own half, and the Donny defence was steel. It was it was like a wall. It, it, they didn't put a foot wrong in defence all that first half, and it, it sort of, it, you kind of thought, yeah, Doncaster, uh, they're just going to take this. It's, yeah, they just seemed to have the, the momentum. Yeah, they were a level above... Um, but then, you know, things change in the second half. And at this point, I did interview some of the Crusaders fans at halftime. Um, and we'll, we'll show that clip now. OK, I'm here with uh, Gary and Mark. It's halftime at the, uh, the, le the League One final. Um, guys, first of all, we'll talk about the game today. How do you think you guys are getting on? Oh, we put up a pretty good show in the first half. Very strong uh, Doncaster side. There's some big lads out there. We've done well to defend and keep it to 8 0, I think. Yeah. Uh, we were coming strong at the, la that, the last end, so I think the second half will be a lot closer. So you, you pretty much had the underdog story all year round. Do, do, you, do you think that's something you can sort of work on and you, you know, you've got a chance in the second half? Are you still confident? Yeah, I think so. Uh, we've come through all the playoffs as underdogs and it's 8 0. 
Yeah. So we're still well within the game, and I think our lads are fit. Um, I'm confident for the second half, to be honest. Okay, excellent. Um, looking back at the season, I sort of spoke to a couple of you guys midway point of the season, and there were a lot of happy fans. It wasn't quite going how you wanted it. I know you'd had problems with the ground and stuff like that. Um, but the coach has really turned the season around. Do you agree? Yeah, it was, we were nil from seven at the start. We only had two home games at Harris Park in Coyne Bay. And uh, just amazing after that. We had that loss against Cornwall. And I think that that really sparked the lads on. Yeah. They must have, uh, something must have been said in the dressing rooms. And they've won every game ever since. The, the way they've played in the, in the playoffs has just been amazing. And they've got all this lot behind us supporting them. It's amazing. I've got to say, I'm trying my best to hear you, but the fans behind you have been absolutely terrific all day. Probably 1-8 for the stadium here, and they're making more noise than the rest of them. Is that something that you know, the, the Crusaders can be proud of, the real loyal fan base that they've got? I think, I think so. Um, some of the fans can't get to every game, myself included, but we've been there since the inception. 2012, I was one of the original squads that went yeah. into Huddersfield to say we had a squad. Uh, none of us could play, but we, we, we lodged a squad. And just look at the guys that are there. They're absolutely fantastic. Yeah. Week in, week out, whether they can be there or not, they'll follow it online. Uh, yeah, they're just phenomenal, phenomenal, and noisy. Yeah, very, very noisy, well spirit. Right, guys, cheers for talking to me, and uh, wish you all best of luck in the second half. Cheers, thanks for coming. Yeah, so um, yeah, what, what we might you might recognise one of the, the fans there that you spoke to. I mean, we spoke to him, or you spoke to him earlier in the year at the Midlands game, and just done a charity bike ride. Yeah, he'd, yeah, he'd done. Um, he, he raised a few thousand pounds actually I was speaking to him so yeah brilliant for him uh, for motor neuron disease yeah brilliant that he did that um, but yeah I spoke to these guys earlier on in the season um, and they weren't happy that he, you know <laughs> no. they, they, they'd stuck by their side all year um, but they, when we spoke to them earlier on in the year everything was going wrong they weren't winning there was just they, they basically said they'd gone backwards from the year before Um but as you've seen from that clip, they just they were eight nil down, and they didn't think they were going to lose. They were they were so optimistic. Yeah, they were now on this underdog run. Yeah, that they they were gonna they were gonna take this game, and and I also spoke to a couple of Doncaster fans at, at halftime, and they, they were all wary, even though they were because eight nils is such a slim lead, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's, yeah. Um, it, it, it could have gone either way. Um, yeah. You try a couple of penalties, you're done, aren't you? Yeah, and then um, second half kicked off. Crusaders had loads of possession um, and they came knocking at this point. It was, they, they were just hammering the Doncaster line. Yeah. Um, but testament to Doncaster, as they were in the first half, their defence was absolutely solid and they just didn't let them through. Um, Robinson brought the deadlock. I think he, he put somebody through, um, Louis Mac Lou McConnell, he put through, um, which made it 14-0. And at that point, you, you kind of saw it, the, the, yeah. the win was going to Doncaster at that point. Uh, Crusaders did score at the end, so near the end. I think it finished 18 points to six, it was in the end. Um, great final, though. Really great final. Um, and it, it, it meant so much to the... It meant so much to the Doncaster fans. Um but I've got to take my hats off to the Crusaders fans because they didn't stop singing all the way through the game. Even at the end when the, the trophy was being lifted, they were still up in that top, <laughs> top right-hand corner, <laughs> banging the drums. 
Yeah, so a really successful season for both clubs, I think. Um, yeah, fantastic final. Yeah, and you caught up with a few people there. That um, So first and foremost, you spoke to Brett Ferris, obviously former Super League player, um, was at Leeds, you know, as well as other clubs. Um, good to chat to him, Carl, was it? Yeah, it was it was it was very humble. Um, you know, he's, he's worked very hard to get him back into the championship. Um, I, I think the fans really, you know, they've, they've really took to him, and he's, he's worked really hard for him this year. Yeah, so there, here's uh, here's that clip now. Well, Brett, finally done it. Been a tough old season. We've had to go through playoffs. Well, you're finally there. You've got to be absolutely excited with the win. Yeah, just just delighted for the for the team, obviously, and the club and. Carl Hall has been working so hard for years now to, to get this club promoted and that's what we're sitting here like today and you saw the emotion of him and stuff and crying and it's just been a great day and obviously we've had a really tough season, yeah. we've done it the hard way but uh, well, we've done it now so yeah, really pleased. Uh, supporters have stuck through you, through uh, thick and thin and they've been absolutely amazing today, they've been the uh, the 18th man almost haven't they? Yeah, they've been class to get a turnout like this for us but obviously it's a predominant football town this yeah. week. It's fantastic, so yeah, it's, it's great. And hopefully now we can keep some of these fans and, and hopefully get them here next year and supporting the champ. Uh, quickly for yourself, career-wise, going again next year? Yeah, probably, yeah. yeah I'm enjoying it, I'm playing big minutes every week and, and hopefully I'm not doing a disservice to myself and, and to the boys. So yeah, I want to keep playing and hopefully it's here and uh, yeah, have a good good camp and a good crack in the champ next year. And, like I say, it's just it's been a great day today for us, yeah. Yeah, all the best anyway. Thank you very much. Okay, so from there, you left and you had like a bit of a rugby league double header because you nipped down the motorway to the Sheffield-London match. Uh, no, no, no. You nipped down the road uh, to another game. Which game was that? I went to the uh, the Sheffield and Bradford game after that. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah, so it was... Yeah. It was a bit of a busy afternoon, but yeah, luckily I was South Yorkshire, did a little tour of South Yorkshire, uh, went down to the went down to the, the Sheffield game and that was that was exciting. I, I, have you ever been to Sheffield's ground, the new ground? Not the new one, no. So no. it's it's re- like if I paint a picture, it's really small, but it's all new. Yeah. And it and it's it's like it's got one stand down down the Legacy Park Arena it's called. So you've got the, the one stand down the main side. And then it's got like grass bankings all around the, yeah. the other end. It feels like when you go there on a like summer's night, it feels like you're going to watch like an NRL game or something. Because yeah. you've got a few <laughs> NRL grounds like that. Which only small, but it's yes, it's got a really good atmosphere. Um and the, the sort of story of the days is Sheffield Eagles were wearing their um white and blue kit, the traditional kit yeah. with the, the big eagle big that eagle, goes yeah. right across it. Um was that the Challenge Cup? That was a Challenge Cup winning shirt, was it? I, I looked back on this earlier. No, it wasn't. Right. But I'll tell you why you'll recognise it in a minute. So, um, Mark Addy, the actor out of Full Monty, um, he was there yeah. bringing the match ball on for the game um, because he wore the famous Eagle shirt in yeah. the film. Yeah. Uh, and I managed to catch a, catch a few minutes with him. And um, yeah, the clip's here. Okay, I'm at Olympic Legacy Park and uh to know that in uh, Mark Addy and I. Uh, Bell's trying to see it. Are you a life on Eagles fan or is this is it just a general warrior? Do you know what? It's the shirt that we're wearing. <laughs> 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 <la
Yeah, well, fingers crossed for the Eagle second half. It's early, okay, all right. Um, we got too much rubber league this is Oh, no, this is the first time I've been sitting here working in the future. Yeah, I don't have much opportunity. It's nice to do that. It's really nice to see you, especially wearing your... It's been incredible who you've been talking to and kind of chatting to. Um, so yeah, it'd be great, great. Listen, you know, a clear fan of rugby league, and you know, not not just turned up with the shirt on, has he? He knows a bit about it. Yeah, it, it was. It sort of made the game quite a big occasion. Um, yeah. it, and it, it was a cracking match, to be honest with you as well. Um, but I'm going to throw some over to you here. So that eagle shirt for me. That's one of my favourite all-time rugby shirts. Uh, I think it's it's so iconic. Yeah, you know, it made famous by the film as well, obviously, because he wore it in the film. Um, I'll throw some over to you. What do, what do you think is one of the most iconic rugby league shirts? Iconic. Uh, well, I mean, there's so many, isn't they? Um, yeah, my my favourite shirt at the minute is I mean, so many iconic shirts, isn't they? But my favourite shirt at the minute. Sydney Roosters, <laughs> the not Sydney, South Sydney. The Sydney Roosters yeah, shirt. I just think it's really stylish, really modern. You know, I love the colours. Um, and then if I was to say like, you know, an iconic shirt, unfortunately I'm staying in Australia as well, but any of the later New South Wales shirts, I just love. I love mm. the colour of it. They're the boring blue. though, aren't they? They're not the boring though. But, but it's iconic. You said iconic. It, it is iconic. And, but, and there's a ton of iconic shirts. The graphic like, designer didn't do much, did he? He went, yeah, <laughs> light, light blue press. The, the eagle shirts, like... Oh, yeah, just, yeah. Well, I mean, that was from an era where everyone was getting in on it. You know what I mean? There was, like, some crazy shirts. Do you well, know when they wore that shirt? When? The, so, the first ever game of Super League, they, they wore that shirt. Can you remember who they were playing? For points in the... Uh, Rugby League Outsiders quiz. I'm going to say Halifax. No, 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 miles away. Bradford. No, miles away. Miles away? Get, get over Channel. Okay, now. Paris Saint-Germain. Paris Saint-Germain. Yeah, it's Paris Saint-Germain. So that, that was the first ever game of Super League. All right. Sheffield Eagles versus PSG. Yeah. Can I'll give you another two points if you can guess the, uh, how, well, get close to the attendance. Attendance. You won't believe this. What, high? Yeah. I'm going to say 22,500. Well, not that high, but it were, it were nearly, nearly 18,000. Wow. For yeah. the first game of Super League. They Par- must have just Paris thought. Paris Saint-Germain versus Sheffield Eagles. This is, this is going to be like our nines competition next year. There's going to be all the signs that it's just going to be great. They're going to be there. Yeah. I'm not saying there's going to be 18,000 people there. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> well, but, but, we haven't got a stadium that big. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, anything else to say on that on the uh, on the match, Cal? Oh, uh, what about your? You, you've obviously mentioned the Sheffield Eagles shirt, which the most iconic. What 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 is your favourite shirt of? of all time? I, I I actually think it's probably that Eagles shirt. I'm not an Eagles fan, but it's it's yeah, it's it's an awesome shirt that is. Yeah, I don't think they were a badge on it either. It was just literally the, the badge was eagle. the eagle coming right <laughs> down side. What other ones were good? Uh, I think the old Wigan shirt, to be fair, was oh. quite good. I know I don't, I don't like Wigan either. No, but, no, but it's it's just you know, you know the Martin of Fire era and oh, yeah, the, yeah, the, yeah. the 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 Norweb, the Norweb era. Yeah, and there was the 
the England again, same era. Yeah, I was going to pick out the England the, shirt. The yeah. England shirt from sort of the nineties, wasn't it? With the, with the, I think it were a Puma kit with a, yeah. the George's cross on the side. That was a really iconic kit. Yeah. Stood out. Should I think of any others? Balmain Tigers back in the year, back in the day. I never watched Balmain, but that's a really kit that really stands out. Just the orange with the sort of black hoops on the side. Well, throw it out to the comments. Um, We'll throw it out to the comment section and, uh, you know, if anyone else has got like an iconic shirt, either share a picture of it or, you know, put, put what it is. It'd be interesting to see. I mean, God, there's so many shirts. I mean, you know, if you Google I like... We'll, we could probably do a special episode on that. Well, what we could do is that when the clubs release their shirts next year, we, we could rate the shirts from best to worst yeah, in our opinion. Idea. You know what I mean? And uh, I've seen other... Cat Catalan have had a lot of good shirts as well. Yeah, but well, they've got great colours, haven't they? Yeah, they've got a great, red and you know. the gold, yeah. Okay, so we're at uh, the stage of the show where we start to have a little bit of a look forward as to what's coming up in the future. Um, so by the time this episode goes out, we will have prepared and uploaded uh, a very special episode for Mental Health Day, which is coming up on the 10th of October. Yeah. Now, we recorded a very special episode with um, two rugby players, one union one league, um, Dan Robinson and uh, George Whitaker, and they were very, very candid about their struggles with mental health to the point where, you know, they, they considered suicide. Uh, you know, one of the guys really heavily into drugs and alcohol and he shares all his experience there. Uh, and George as well has got, just you know, he developed like an obsessive compulsive behavior, which, you know, is really, really insightful. So, uh, make sure you, you watch out for that and um, and just share it because there's a hell of a lot of lads, you know, rugby league, you know, predominantly lads involved with it. And there's a lot of lads out there struggling for, because of societal reasons and all that. We don't feel like we can talk about it and sort of just, you know, get on with it. What's the matter with you? Um, but it's got to change because there's a lot of lads out there struggling. Cal, what's, what do you remember from that episode? Like what, um, what do you think people are going to get from it? Um... <laughs> I found it really sort of inspirational how brutally honest the two lads were, to be honest with you. Felt a little bit uncomfortable at times yeah. listening to what, what they had to say. Um, well, I mean, we got hit by an absolute sidewinder within the first 10 minutes. Yeah. You know, um, I won't spoil no, it now um, and watch it, but, you know, just absolutely did not expect the words that came out of Dan's mouth. So... Uh, I think when we sort of started, when we started this podcast, uh, never in a million years would I thought I'd have been sat there listening to what I was being told. Um, but you know, great on them that they, they do. They've done this episode to to hopefully help other people. Um, yeah, so they, it's, it's inspirational watch. Yeah, it's going to be uh, an incredible episode to watch. So make sure you, you don't miss it. That's going to be on the 10th of October. Okay, so look out for that. Um, we've also got a little bit of a road trip coming up this weekend. Uh, Carl, fill us in on that. Yeah, we're going to up to York. So it's the, the women's grand final, York Valkyrie versus uh, Leeds Rhinos. Um, it's the first game of women's rugby I've got to watch live this year. Well, certainly Super League level it is. Um, and I can't wait, to be honest with you. I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I've got a lot of time for the women's game. I, you know, I watch a lot of it, and not just because of the, you know, the usual funny crack. Uh -huh. You know, because the standard of rugby, of women's rugby is just going up and up. 
and uh, and it's it's great to watch. So I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, I mean it's it's the women's game's been massive this year, hasn't it? We had the first Challenge Cup final that was played yeah. at Wembley. We've got this standalone final now this year. It's not an undercard to a men's grand final or anything like that. It's a standalone final in a stadium that's expected to be absolutely packed. Yeah, I, ju- I can't wait. I really can't wait, and I'm really looking. I, I hope that we manage to get a couple of interviews um, and bring it back to the show next week. Have you got an eye on a particular team that you'd like to win, Carl? <laughs> <laughs> not Leeds. <laughs> <laughs> now, um, do you know what? I, I, I'm not bothered. I'm just hoping for a, a close game. I think I, I think York are probably gonna. I think they've just got it on Leeds. I think the last game they played was a draw, actually. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be a cracker. So I'm just going there to be entertained. Yeah. Whatever happens. Well, and they're both uh, star-studded teams, aren't they? You know, they've got some they've got some quality players in the teams. I'll, of course, be supporting Leeds. So um, anyway, we'll report back from that. We've also got our feelers out to try and get to some of the other games that are coming up, both wheelchair and Super League games. So, you know, hopefully we'll, we'll get up and... Um, experience those and and just try and get a different angle from what you'd normally see from you know perhaps the telly or other podcasts and other shows and what have you and um, we'll try and hunt out the players the staff you know the volunteers the the people in the crowd that are from outside the heartlands because fundamentally that's what we like to uh, to talk about so um you excited carl about the next few weeks yeah, I mean, we we almost talked about wrapping it up at this point, haven't we? And then all of a sudden, there's there's that much going on. Uh, we couldn't possibly stop now. So yeah, we're on a roll, and I'm I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. Okay, Carl. Uh, anything else to uh, to add? No, other than um, the Midlands Nines website um, is starting yeah. to be developed now, isn't it? Um, we, we, we're working hard behind the scenes to get that going next year. Um, we are going to be putting a bit of a questionnaire out, aren't we, to sort of get feelers what people want from the from the weekend, um, recommended dates. I mean, we, we're working with the RFL as well, aren't we, to try and make sure it doesn't coincide with the season and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, and what we're looking at doing is is um, is having you know some good entertainment, a good day on the back of some great rugby, you know. So we wanted some quality teams there. We are going to be limited on numbers, so it really is going to be first come, first served. Um, but if you if you want to get involved in the Midlands Nines, you know wherever you are, even you know throughout the world, you know I think Brazilian teams and all sorts of teams turn up for the London Nines, and we'd like that to be similar in the Midlands in the future. So um, we will talk about this more in depth in the future, um, but we'll, you know, look out for, for those announcements and, and, and those updates on the, uh, on the social media. So until the next episode from me, take care. Ah, uh, from me, take care. <laughs> Call <laughs> <Goodbye>. me out then. <laughs> That's the final whistle for this week's episode of the Rugby League Outsiders. We hope you've enjoyed it. Don't forget to follow us on social media and share this podcast with your friends. And as always, if you have a story to tell, a club to plug, or a player that deserves recognition, we want to hear from you. So until next time on the Rugby League Outsiders, take care.